Well, welcome to our series on Ephesians, God's master plan. In Australia, we're all in some form of lockdown and we're reading graphs like this, which show rates of infection all around the world. And I guess in Australia, we've got a lot to be thankful for right now as we've seen our infection rate level right out and, uh, um, and slow right down. Um, so in Australia, I've been looking on um, Worldometer and you can see our stats are a great source of thanks. Um, keeping that, uh, flattening the curve, as they say. Um, and uh, around the world, though, um, we've seen, um, while we've been able to keep that curve flattened in Australia and lower the death rate around the world, we've seen countries like Italy, like the UK, like Spain, like the US now, really suffering with um, sometimes death rates that are extremely high. And... Uh, you know, I guess this lockdown, even though we're um, we're experiencing, we've got a lot to be thankful in Australia. I know talking to people, there's a lot of us are fatigued by this lockdown. We're longing for life as normal, where we get to see friends, where we get that human connection with others. We've got screen fatigue. All of our meetings, all of our studies, all of our work, uh, all of our kind of hangouts are now over a screen. Uh, we know about the business closures, the people who have lost jobs and are out of work, um, and that hurts. It hurts um, individuals, it hurts economy, our economy as a whole. And we know about the isolation people are feeling cut off from others. Uh, and we might ask, well, what will be the legacy of COVID-19 as we go through this? What will be the legacy that we face? Uh, one of the members of our church family forwarded me this link um, to the first COVID-19 art museum. And this is not actually the art that was in the museum. It was just an artist's impression for the articles, pondering what kind of art would they have in a COVID-19 art museum. You know, we think of like the great legacy of Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel ceiling with the creation of Adam and those hands reaching out and now it's passing a roll of toilet paper. Or the, the Mona Lisa um, and this expression of like ex exploration of beauty and that quirky smile now covered up by a, um, a, a mask. Or maybe the, the figure of Christ is now the saviour dispensing hand sanitizer, or Andy Warhol's pop art images is now about um, disinfectant. Um, and American Gothic, now are, the, the couple are not together. They're a healthy 1.5 metres apart. But what will be the legacy of this lockdown and this pandemic? What will come out of this in the coming years? Uh, down the track in history. You may not know this, but Paul himself, when he wrote the book of Ephesians, was in a lockdown. He was actually in an even worse lockdown than we're in because he was imprisoned in chains because he wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. And some people wanted him to stop talking about Jesus. Some powerfully, powerful people wanted him dead. And he ended up in chains but he didn't waste his time in lockdown and he wrote 
all of these amazing letters that we have today. And so the book of Ephesians is a beautiful part of the legacy that we have from the Apostle Paul's lockdown. And this book, this letter to the Ephesians, has been a spiritual inspiration to people from every nation for thousands of years since Paul wrote it. What a legacy from his lockdown. What a legacy that we get to celebrate today. Um, And Paul shows us how we can, in the face of this lockdown, not waste our lockdown. We're going to see where this comes from today as we go through this passage today. But how about I start by praying? And I want to pray for some of the people who are doing it hard um, and for those countries in the world doing it really hard as we come to this message today. So let's please pray with me. Dear God, we pray for our world, for those countries that are most affected, the people most vulnerable, Lord. Please have mercy on our hurting, broken world. As people face death, as countries go through all sorts of crisis, as people face grief, a personal level, on a national level, Lord, reveal yourself in your message of hope. Give your gift of life and peace in Jesus. God, we pray for the hurting, the isolated, those doing it tough financially. In this time of things shutting down, we look to you for your comfort, your encouragement, and your provision for our needs. And God, we pray that as we look at your word now, you would speak to us and encourage us wherever we are and whatever we're going through. In Jesus' name, amen. So, how do we make the most of this lockdown and not waste it? If we follow Paul in Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, we see three key things here we can do so that our lockdown has a really beautiful legacy. Firstly, we can go through this lockdown with continual thankfulness. We can go through this lockdown with continual thankfulness. That's what Paul has. Even though he's in prison, even though he's in chains, locked down, cut off from others, restricted, he has this continual thankfulness overflowing. See, in uh, verse 15 and 16, he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Well, why is he so thankful? He starts out by saying, for this reason, for this reason. And what is this reason? It's because of all that he's just been talking about. You may remember from last week, if you were with us last week, Wayne talked to us about Ephesians 3, um, Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, and how's this uber-long sentence in Greek, and it's like seven English sentences, I think, in the NIV. We've had to break it down in translation, and even they're long. But um, in Greek, it's this one uber-long sentence, and Paul just goes on in this passionate praise of God, this passionate praise of God. And um, he's, he's, he's saying, 
on the basis of all this, this, this um, every spiritual blessing in Christ that we have, this is why we have this, um, this thankfulness. And there's another thing here. He says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people. So he's putting these two things together for this reason, this um, every spiritual blessing in Christ that he's just spoken about, this amazing gift of the gospel. And for, for this reason, hey, I've heard about your faith and I've heard about your love for all God's people. So all of these grand truths that he's been praising God for, he's saying, it's not just some abstract idea out about there, but I really have heard that it's transformed your life. This faith in Jesus is this simple trust we talked about in that in receiving that gift from God. And this love for all God's people is the evidence that this faith wasn't just words. It wasn't just yeah, yeah, I trust in Jesus and then it hasn't changed my life at all, but that this faith is real. It's shown to be real because this expression of faith is backed up by the evidence of a life of loving God's people, of caring for others in the community and the family of God. And that's what faith does. You know, you could Paul could have been dubious about their faith if they said yeah yeah I believe in Jesus and then their life didn't change but he said no no I've seen you you said yes I believe in Jesus I trust in him and I've seen the evidence of that in a transformed life a life of genuine love genuinely wanting the best for others seeking to encourage others love for all God's people so how do we not waste a lockdown? How do we make the most of a crisis? We realize that the crisis is the crucible in which the gold of our character is purified and perfected. And we leverage this crisis to grow spiritually, to develop this spiritual practice of continual thankfulness, a thankful heart towards God, a gratitude towards God. You know, and let's be honest, I think where our situation is somewhat different to Paul's. He'd been bashed, he'd been beaten, he had, had very little, um, and he had this overflowing praise. And if, if we're honest with ourselves, often we're quite the opposite. We've got every material blessing, um, but we lose sight of every spiritual blessing in Christ. We've got every modern luxury, crazy amounts of technology, all the information and entertainment you could ever want. But if we're honest, we're not satisfied. We're restless. We're complaining. We're bitter. We're jaded because we realize all of that stuff doesn't satisfy us. And what will make us truly thankful? It's actually this every spiritual blessing that we have in Christ and even more than receiving it ourselves, as Paul says, he's so thankful because he's seen others receive it, seeing the joy of others receive it. 
You know, uh, when I think about thankfulness and gratitude, I, I just can't help but thinking about children. And I think as a parent watching your children grow up, you, you can see the thankfulness and the simple joy of children um, and you appreciate things even more than you did like if you're just trying to make yourself happy, you see a, a child happy. And so you see like the joy of uh, a child just enjoying their mother's uh, arms or uh, laughing at a tickle from their mum. Or you think about the wonder of a child looking up at trees full of blossoms. Or you think about... The, the sheer exuberance and, and thankfulness of, of um, a child running through a sprinkler in the sunshine. And when you see other people enjoying these things and being thankful for them, you're even more thankful. And it seems like that's what Paul's saying here. I'm thankful for these things for myself, but when I saw your faith, I'm even more thankful. He is so overjoyed and thankful, not just enjoying it himself, but in seeing others enjoying it. So do you know that joy, that thankfulness, that spiritual gratitude towards God in your heart for the gift of every spiritual blessing in Jesus? And do you know the even greater joy of sharing that with others? It's the best it's the next level of joy and thankfulness. So I don't ask you, who can you share it with? Who can you share this joy with? Whose faith can you celebrate? Who can you encourage in your faith, in their faith? Secondly, um, how can we not waste our, our lockdown? How can we make the most of this so we have a great spiritual legacy out of this lockdown, and that's not only through continual thankfulness, but through passionate prayer. You know, when everything's shutting down and sometimes there's not a lot else you can do, you can always pray. And prayer is always of great value. We can make most of this lockdown by developing a habit of passionate prayer, not just now, but one that will last on into the future and become a foundation for our life of faith, a habit of passionate prayer like Paul. You know, nothing great spiritually in God's kingdom will ever be accomplished without a work of God's Spirit. And that work goes hand in hand with passionate prayer of God's people. Paul goes on to say he's not only giving thanks, but um, he's remembering, he says, giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. This remembering, it literally means um, like mentioning you. It's like Paul is holding up the names of these people to God and he's remembering them in his prayers. And as, our, as, your, as pastors, we hold up the names of the people in our church and, and when we think of you, we remember you in our prayers. We mention you to God. And Paul is speaking the names of the people before God, holding them up in prayer. And what is he praying for them? He says, I keep asking this, this continual activity 
You know, he elsewhere, Paul says, pray continually, and he does it himself. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you will know him better. Paul prays that we will know God better. And you notice here again, all three persons of the Trinity, God, the glorious Father, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit are mentioned here. This is the whole Trinity working together to to get us to know him better, to know God better. You know, that's my prayer for you, is that you would know God. And if you already know God, that you will know God better because that is the main thing that we need as human beings. That's our deepest need is to know God. You know, so many people have had this amazing moment where they, they didn't really know God. They, they didn't have an understanding of that. And all of a sudden, God has just spoke to their hearts. And boom, they just go, wow, now I know God. This, he's talking about this spirit of wisdom and revelation that all of a sudden they will know God, this revelation they finally understand. You know, the great um, English preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon re- recounts a story of how he had this amazing moment where boom, He didn't know God and all of a sudden God spoke to him. And he recounts this story. He was going through a snowstorm and he just went into a church to get out of a snowstorm. He was like, okay, it's cold out here. I'm going in there. And then he's sheltering in the back of this church, you know, probably trying not to get noticed too much. And there's this preacher preaching up the front of the church. And the preacher said, look, look, young man, almost like he was talking directly to Charles. Look, look, young man, look now. Look, to, he's saying, look to Christ, look to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Spurgeon says, then I had this vision, not a vision to my eyes, but to my heart. I saw what a saviour Christ was. Now I can never tell you how it was, but I no sooner saw whom I was to believe than I also understood what it was to believe. And I did believe in one moment. And then he says, and as the snow fell on my road home from that little house of prayer, I thought every snowflake talked with me and told me of the pardon I had found, for I was white as the driven snow. And so many people recount a similar experience where all of a sudden, God just spoke to them. And all of a sudden, they had come to know God by this act of this amazing, sudden revelation from God. If you don't know God, then I pray that even now, even today, you'd have that experience of knowing God for yourself, that spirit of God's revelation to you. And if you do know God, I'm so thankful for that like Paul praying this this prayer, and I pray that you may know God better. No matter how uh, far along you are in your journey of life, no matter how old you are, no matter how mature you are, no um, no matter how much you know, 
you can always grow in knowing God better. You know, thirdly, Paul goes on to explain the third way that we we should not waste this lockdown. The third way is through true enlightenment. True enlightenment. What does this look like? He goes on to pray, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his, um, in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. This is fleshing out what we've just been looking at, isn't it? This is how we come to know God, and he's really fleshing that out, this true enlightenment. You know, I think there's three things I want to highlight here. The hope to which he has called you. This is a sure hope, a certain hope. It's not like that kind of a, an iffy hope. Oh, I hope. I'm kind of sketchy about it. But this hope here is talking about a confident hope, an assurance of some future reality that we can be sure of. And what is this future reality? The riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. He's talking about the gift of eternal peace and joy and life with God through Jesus. That ultimate hope that God will make all things new, that God will do away with this world of sickness, suffering and death, the new creation that God promises. And the sure hope that even if we die, we can face death with peace and confidence because of Jesus and his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead for us that assures us, guarantees us that his other promises will also come true and that we can face God, the ultimate judge, not in fear and guilt for our failings, but that we can come to God trusting in Jesus and his death for us, that we are forgiven, that we come to God through God's gift of grace, that we come to God with confidence because of Jesus and his work on the cross for us. This inheritance that is assured, this hope that is pointing to this inheritance, and then he says, and his incomparably great power. You know, he says it's incomparable. I would love to give you some image, some metaphor, just to kind of help you get this, but I'm sorry, i got nothing. It's incomparable. It's just out of this world in terms of, and there's nothing you compare that compare God's power to. But he goes on to explain this power. He said that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. 
you know, there's a lot to um, be amazed about in this passage. Uh, and you can see why Paul is overflowing with thanks and prayer. And there's more than we have time to go into today. But I want to highlight just a few things. This power that raised Christ from the dead, this amazing power of God, that, that power that God used to create the world, that God used to bring back Christ from the dead, he says this same power is active for you in your life through him. This incomparable power. And it's active for you now and it's active for your ultimate saving. So we can trust in this power. This power of God gives us great assurance. Notice in, um, in this passage it says that Jesus is head over everything. He's the ruler of all. And I don't know if you have that vision of Jesus as the ruler of everything, Jesus as sovereign over everything, that you can trust him no matter what. And the reality is that we can trust Jesus even more than we can trust ourselves because our knowledge is only in part. Our ability is minimal, but Jesus has complete knowledge, complete power, and he loves us more than we can even love ourselves. He wants the best for us. So because of his incomparably great power, which is at work for us, for the church, for his people, we can trust him in everything. You know, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of power. It's easy maybe to um, dismiss power and think of it as something uh, something we don't like because we have power that's exerted us on us in bad ways. But when you think of power for your good, it's something I guess you can appreciate and be thankful for. Maybe what comes to your mind when you think of power, though, is like massive military machines, world leaders, or rich multinational corporations. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of power, but when when God is talking about power, he says all this power, this head over everything, this Jesus in, in, who's ruler over everything, he's using his power for the church. He's using his power in this seemingly uh, very small and humble reality we know as our church family for churches all over the world. And now our churches are, are scattered. They're separated. But wherever you are, God's incomparably great power is at work for you, the church, the people of God. Wherever you are, the, the power of God is at work for you. So this true enlightenment that we're called to, this true enlightenment shows us a vision of that heavenly reality. And so often we get consumed by a vision of the world around us, all of the problems, all of the fears, all of the anxieties, all of the addictions, all of the ambitions, all of the strivings, um, all of the lies of our culture. And we get blinded by these things. And 
Paul wants to bring us back this true enlightenment, means seeing things as they really are, this heavenly spiritual reality of Jesus enthroned above all, sovereign over everything, the one that we can trust no matter what happens, the power over everything and of his sovereign authority at work for you and for me. So there's three ways that we can make the most of this crisis, make sure this lockdown doesn't go to waste so that we can go through this lockdown and this time of COVID-19. And through this, that this time will leave a beautiful legacy in our lives. That we can, number one, we can have continual thankfulness like Paul. Number two, that we can have this this passionate prayer like Paul. And number three, that we can have this true enlightenment like Paul to see reality as it really is. And having that enlightenment, we can come to God wherever we are, in the midst of our, our brokenness, in the midst of our struggles, our suffering, our pain, with empty hands and we can just appreciate the amazing gift that God gives us and and share and celebrate that gift with others.